Cyber 24 is presented by our friends at Valcom. Valcom is a Utah-based IT solutions and services provider with a drive for getting IT right. From ironclad security to computing and beyond, Valcom's 35 plus years of experience means they have the experience and the expertise to help your business from the desktop to the data center. Please check them out at vlcm.com. That's vlcm.com. And welcome to the Cyber 24 podcast, the weekly pod dedicated to helping businesses and governmental leaders better understand the often intimidating topic of cybersecurity so you can make better decisions for your organization. I'm Marty Carpenter of 24.9. I work in strategic communication, public affairs, and government relations. This week, we're talking about some positive developments for a change in the fight against cybercrime. Our guest is Dan Schuyler from NICE CX1. All right, Dan, thanks for being with us. Let's jump right in on topic number one. The Wall Street Journal reports the Justice Department can't tell if its recent initiatives against ransomware groups are working because not all victims uh, report attacks to authorities. That according to the Principal Associate Deputy Attorney General uh, John Carlin. Earlier this year, the department launched a number of initiatives to tackle ransomware gangs and announced new rules for federal contractors, but the lack of complete data from victims makes it impossible to know if those efforts have had an effect on the number of attacks overall. Uh, And according to this uh, principal associate deputy attorney general, John Carlin, he says, we're not there right now, he says. So Dan, my question to you is, why is it important first and foremost for businesses to report attacks? How is that helpful to the government and what might be holding uh, back that reporting? So I think it's actually helpful to the organization that's been a victim of a cyber attack, especially a ransomware attack, because the FBI can give them guidance on the success rate of paying the ransom, depending on the group that's uh, initiated the ransomware attack. There are some groups out there that if you pay the ransom, you won't get the decryption key. And there are other groups out there that are quote unquote, um, honest, and we'll give you the ransomware key if you pay the ransom. And it will also help the federal government track the ransomware payment and track, potentially track the payment to the, uh, the, the perpetrators, if you will, in an effort to stop them. Not all of these um, initiatives to track these attacks are successful. Um, but some of them have been, as the article indicates. So I think it's always in the best interest of the company to contact the authorities, especially the FBI, and say, hey, we've just been hit with ransomware, and provide them with all of the information with regards to the tech. Because ultimately, I think the FBI has the ability to provide some some really good guidance on, on how to navigate that ransomware attack. Again, whether or not you should pay the ransom, the success of paying the ransom and potentially getting the money back. So I, I think it's I think the pros outweigh the cons of notifying the authorities. So what is so it that has traditionally kept businesses from reporting to the authorities? To me, this is all a matter of incentives, right? Incentives drive the world. And has it been just a matter of, hey, if someone hits a company with ransomware and they can just pay the ransom, get the key and move on with their lives, if they don't report it to authorities, 
yeah, they're skirting the the regulations, but what they're the incentive they're reacting to is they don't want to go through having the government find them or then come in and monitor them or do whatever uh, they may imagine the problem to be. So the government really kind of puts itself in a position of uh, trying to use a carrot and a stick, and, and and I wonder if that's the reason that the businesses are a little bit hesitant to go have the government have more involvement in their efforts. No, I would agree. But I also think if I put my business hat on um, and I get hit by rent with ransomware, I, I don't want to air my dirty laundry and, and letting everybody know that I've been attacked. Um, you know, the FBI uh, will keep everything in confidentiality. But again, I think it's, you know, based on the company's predicament, what type of clients do they have? What type of data do they have? How bad was the attack? How much was how much is the ransomware? How much or how much is the ransom from the ransomware attack? So I think all of these uh, all of those metrics are playing into the the company's thought process with regards to do I contact authorities? But ultimately, everything that you tell the FBI, for the most part, and you know every every attack is is unique. But you know contacting the FBI everything is is going to remain strictly confidential. And I don't think that should be an area of concern for a company who's been hit with a ransomware attack. I think, again, the pros outweigh the cons of not reporting it. Um, so I, I think that's really the, the driving factor. Yeah. yeah. Is there any element of the uh, perpetrators of the attack, the cyber criminals, pressuring companies in any way not to report to the FBI, or do they? Do we see that as as a regular or even or prevalent matter? Where hey, they lock you up and say pay us, and don't contact the authorities, or are they essentially just saying pay us? Uh, to what extent do we generally see the cyber criminals weigh in or try to influence the decision the company will make? Yeah. So normally, when you're contacting the FBI, um, you know, unless they're going to have direct contact with the ransomware attackers, um, then that really isn't an issue because it's it's difficult, if not impossible, for um, a ransomware attack or assistance with a ransomware attack to be traced back to the victim. Um, now, clearly, the attackers could tell the victim, the company, that if you contact the authorities. We will um, make your data public, which is what they do anyway. That's one of the, the threats they use to pay the ransomware now is if you don't pay the attack or if you don't pay the ransom um, by this date, we will release 10 or 20 percent of the data. And again, you know, if you don't pay the ransom by this date, we'll release another you know, 30 to 40 percent of the data. So that's one of the uh, pieces of leverage that the attackers are using to get the companies to pay the ransom. Um, now, you know, clearly if that could be something that's making these companies skittish, if the attackers are telling the victims, if you contact the authorities and we find out about it, we'll make your data public. Uh, clearly that could be a reason why some of these companies are hesitant to contact the authorities to, to get their help. Um, it, you know, it's, it's like that movie, those movies where somebody gets kidnapped. If you contact the authority, you know, we will dispatch this person. So yeah. <laughs> don't contact the authorities. And, you, you know, ultimately, the, the, the best advice is, you know, you need, you need the help of, of the 
the the experts in order to resolve the issue. And so, again, I think the pros outweigh the cons. Yeah. It's one of those interesting elements to it as well, is that we look at it from sort of a, a theoretical level and say, well, why don't businesses report? Or this is why it's good for businesses to report. But most businesses that are being hit with ransomware uh, or, or having some type of cyber incident, they, they're going through this for the first time. You know, it's not like they're, they're old hands at this or that they've maybe not even necessarily given it a whole lot of forethought. And, you know, so they might say, man, my, my initial inclination is yes. Uh, you know, there's been a crime perpetrated and I need to call the authorities. And then they hit that first window of hesitation. Like, mm, is that what I want to do? What's my easiest way out? They're not thinking about it as, you know, uh, having listened to a, a 160 episodes of a podcast about cybersecurity, they're going through it for the first time. And I think that's a really interesting element to it as well. Yeah. And I think the federal government could do a better job of being proactive about how they can be helpful with regards to assisting a company through a ransomware attack. Yes, there's information out there on the FBI website, but you know, things like, and I'm not, a, I'm not in marketing. I don't have the background that you do, Marty, but like a public service announcement or, you know, some sort of email blast telling companies, Hey, we're here to help you. Here's what we can do here. Here is why it's beneficial to let us know if you've become a victim of a ransomware attack. So I think the federal government could do a better job of, of, uh, of, discussing the value of, of their involvement with regards to helping a company navigate a ransomware attack. Yeah, I agree 100%. Having just traveled internationally in the last couple of weeks, uh, I can tell you that government websites that try to explain how policies work uh, are very complex to read and not built with the user in mind for the most part. Just just even trying to navigate, oh, here's how I go to this country and has, here's how I navigate their COVID protocols. They don't make it very easy to understand. That is for exactly. sure. We do a better job of that. All right, Absolutely. let's move on. Topic number two, uh, that carrot and stick approach we were just talking about. The, the carrot may actually be uh, recovering money lost in ransomware attacks. You made some mention of this uh, just a moment ago, Dan. And according to the Wall Street Journal, authorities want to know about cyber attacks sooner rather than later. The Secret Service seized about $2 billion in the last five years and prevented the loss of around four or five times that amount, according to the agency's director, James Murray, uh, at a recent conference. That number actually did surprise me because for the most part, we talk about how this is generally the perfect crime. And if you can go in and steal from a company or you know uh, get them to pay you a ransom, that you rarely get caught. So that number really jumped out to me, $2 billion over the last five years. Dan, does that number surprise you? It does and it doesn't. Um, again, so most of these attacks, if not all of them, are being paid with Bitcoin. Bitcoin uh, you know, uses the blockchain. The blockchain is, for all intents and purposes, a, a transparent process. And it's it's transparent for that for that exact reason to uh, ensure that there is no um, crime involved, to ensure that there is no, um, you know, hacking of the blockchain, to ensure that the, the, the data, the integrity of the data in the blockchain remains uh, in, integral. And so just because the ransom is being paid in Bitcoin does not necessarily mean that it's not trackable. Um, there are ways to track um, Bitcoin or crypto coin transactions, and in some in some 
cases, that's not possible because the ransomware attackers are using multiple wallets or multiple um, uh, vehicles for the crypto coin payment process. In that case, it makes it extremely difficult, if not impossible, to track the payment. But those that are just using, you know, a standard cryptocurrency type of payment, some of those can be tracked. And depending on when the ransom was paid, how it was paid, what process was used, it is possible to recover some of those funds. But $2 billion is significant, but it also speaks to how lucrative these ransomware attacks are. Because if $2 billion has been recovered, imagine the amount of money that has not been recovered that has been and has, has been a very lucrative uh, business for the ransomware attackers. Yeah, it's likely that they're not getting back the majority of the money that's uh, that's been taken from companies. That is oh, for absolutely sure. not. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. a that's a fraction, I'm sure. Yeah, authorities say though they can return money to victims much more quickly if they find out about an attack early and stop the theft. One company reported a business email compromise attack. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was on a Wednesday, as a matter of fact, and by Friday, the money was frozen and on its way back to the victim. Uh, and so, you know, the FBI says a lot of times we're not able to seize the money because it's gone because of the delay in getting law enforcement into the loop. So to me, that is where the incentives really flip, because if you're telling a business, hey, we have a much better chance, and and maybe if you can even approach to where you say it's it's likely or likely that we can recover, if not all, some of the money that you've paid out, that that would be the incentive to get businesses to report when they've had an issue. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like any time. It, it's it's the same as a business email compromise. If you um, mistakenly or unwittingly provide your credentials to a hacker. The, the hacker is going through a huge database of credentials that they have gathered through their phishing attack. And you're likely not at the top of that list. So they're going through all these credentials, checking these accounts, seeing if they can get access to the account, what's in there. And so the sooner that you notify your IT and uh, IT security desk that you've been compromised, the least likely um, there's going to be any ramifications of you, you know, again, unwittingly providing your uh, credentials because those, you know, your email, your password can be changed quickly. It's it's when you wait that causes the problem. In fact, 99% of those phishing emails that are successful when the person who is a victim notifies the IT help desk or the security help desk, 99% of the time, they can change your password before anything is compromised. And the same thing goes for a ransomware attack. The sooner you report it to authorities, the sooner that they can, they can set up and potentially track and or recover the payment. Yeah. The FBI uh, says that they recently seized $2.3 million in ransomware from a, uh, an affiliate of, and I can never remember how to say this because I always just see it written Revel, Revel, R E V I L. It's the uh, Russian group. And nice job. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being there to double check. I should just I should just say it with confidence and see if I've got it right. Um, the FBI's complaint didn't state how they had accessed uh, the Exodus wallet uh, where the bitcoins were stored. Uh, obviously, I don't want to give away those secrets, but the Justice Department said in November the FBI seized six million dollars in ransom paid to uh, a Revil. Is that where we ended up on that yep. Revil? 
And it's unclear uh, if that includes this $2.3 million, that according to Bleeping Computer. And so, uh, you know, I think it's a good sign and a good trend that more and more often we're seeing or at least hearing uh, that the good guys are going to get the money back. Some of these ransomware attacks, some, not all, some of them are using the same decryption key. And so there is a chance that the FBI would have the decryption key and could potentially try to decrypt one or more of those files, uh, which would avoid you having to pay the ransom. So it's it's very it's it's more likely than not that they won't have the decryption key. But again, that's one of the the incentives of contacting the authorities is they can try a bunch of decryption keys that could potentially recover your files. Recent events have fundamentally changed the way we work. It's created new challenges for keeping employees connected, productive from home, and safe when they return to the office. To help bring organizations into this new normal of work, Aruba Networks has developed an AI-driven, intelligent cloud-managed networking platform that can help your business with secure business class connectivity at home, staff safety management, and flexible financing options. With Aruba, you can have a safe and productive workplace for your employees. Learn more about Aruba's hybrid workplace-powered solutions with Valcom by visiting vlcm.com edge. That's vlcm.com edge. Using Microsoft 365 for your business productivity tools certainly has many advantages. Easy, user-friendly accessibility from anywhere at any time, simplified email access, and reduced costs of business operations and management. However, the migration and use of Microsoft 365 isn't without security risks. Barracuda Essentials provides the industry's most comprehensive security and data protection solution for Microsoft 365. With Barracuda, you can stop spam, viruses, prevent data loss, and turn employees into a line of defense against phishing attacks. For peace of mind, learn more about Barracuda Essentials for Microsoft 365 at vlcmtech.com. That's vlcmtech.com. All right, Dan, topic number three, uh, Russian national sentence to five years in a cybercrime case. So we're kind of walking through, I would, I would almost call this the good news episode of Cyber 24 because we're talking about uh, companies maybe participating with, uh, with law enforcement a little more. We're talking about law enforcement getting money back. And now we're talking about a bad guy who gets caught. Alexander Grishishkin was sentenced on Wednesday by a federal judge in Michigan. Uh, he had earlier pleaded guilty to federal charges related to his role in providing computer infrastructure to hackers launching cyber attacks on U.S. financial institutions between 2009 and 2015. Uh, the, uh, Mr. Grishishkin also helped hackers evade law enforcement, the Justice Department said. So three other men have also pleaded guilty in the case. One received a two-year prison term uh, one received a four-year term, according to the Justice Department. The remaining co-conspirator awaits sentencing. So, uh, Dan, how many bad guys would have to get caught in order for us to actually slow the rate of cybercrime? I imagine that uh, these three uh, may give some cybercriminals pause, but it's still probably uh, heavily tilted in favor of the bad guys getting away with the crime. I don't think these convictions will have anything have any impact on cybercrime, to be quite honest. <laughs> uh, I think this is a, a, a small drop in the bucket, if you will. And, and I, for, I would say a majority, you know, 99% of these um, cybercrimes um, go unpunished because they're, they're almost impossible to trace. 
Uh, most of these criminals are overseas. Uh, we don't either have extradition with certain countries, or if we do, they're they're not going to turn these people over. So I don't think these these convictions are having will have any impact on the the criminals out there that are committing cybercrime. In yeah, fact, I they're, don't they're probably to... looking they're probably looking at that saying, "Well, that's too bad for them." <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's one of those where you you have to get to that tipping point, right? Where there's actually some a uh, realistic threat that someone's going to get caught and three out of however many, you know, let's say there, let's pick a nice round number. Let's say there are 5,000 people who are out there as cyber criminals. I have no idea, high, low number, uh, but catching and sentencing three, I guess in some sense, it does show that people do get caught and punished, but uh, you know, most people would say, Hey, if you've got a three and 5,000 chance of uh, something bad happening, and a 4,997 out of 5,000 chance of getting away with something, that's a risk that you probably would take. Maybe the better way to say it is the criminals got to like them odds. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so maybe not as much good news on the uh, conviction side, but at least uh, generally a good trend if we're seeing the good guys fight back. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see if more arrests come and how quickly the Justice Department or whoever the arresting agency is, uh, uh, how quickly they come out to uh, pat themselves on the back and take a victory lap on arrests and convictions and getting money back. But I just think that it's something we hadn't seen a year ago. You know, you would look, read through cybersecurity stories or follow this in the news, and you weren't hearing about uh, companies getting money back and you weren't hearing about anybody being caught. It just seemed like a really hopeless situation. So maybe uh, a little bit of good news while it's not enough to say problem solved, uh, maybe we should just take some of the good news and, and accept it for what it is. Yep. Celebrate the celebrate the wins when you can. As we wrap up for this episode, I want to thank our sponsors at Valcom. At Valcom, you get much more than a dedicated IT retailer. They become an extension of your IT team. So whether you're a startup or an enterprise, Valcom has the technical sales and engineering expertise to make your business more effective and more productive. Check them out, vlcm.com. That's vlcm.com. Special thanks as well to our supporting partners, the Utah Division of Technology Services, the Kempsey Gardner Policy Institute at the University of Utah, the Utah Attorney General's Office, the Utah Department of Public Safety, and of course, our friends at Secuvon. You can follow us on Twitter at Cyber24 underscore, or you can follow us on Facebook as well. Feel free to hit us up in either place. Let us know what you think of the show, or even if you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode. You can also rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We love those five-star ratings. They make a big difference for us and our audience. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe online. <laughs>